When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. Before we get going, we want to let everyone know that today's Daily Briefing Show is dedicated to one of our Real Vision subscribers. His name is Bill Stowe. Now, the reason why we picked Bill is because a few weeks ago, we rebooted the essential tier on Real Vision, as many of you know, with new content and a massive discount to just $99 a year, which we were pretty pleased about. But Bill wrote us and complained. He said a premium subscription. He was a premium subscriber, rather, and asked why he wasn't getting the discount, too. So we sat around and we thought about it and realized that he was right. It was probably unfair. So from today, we are reducing the price of the plus tier to just $400 a year and the pro tier to $2,599 a year. These discounts are available for the next two weeks only. The offer ends on October 31st, Halloween. Spooky day it is. Um, and that's all thanks to Bill, who took the time to write in and, of course, be a part of our community. So we appreciate you, Bill. This one's for you. All right, let's get cracking. With me today is on the Daily Briefing is Dave Floyd, founder of Aspen Trading. And we are going to be tackling the question, how do you trade this rally? How do you trade this volatility, maybe, is the better way to put it, Dave. Great to see you. Yeah, likewise, Maggie. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this I for for trader types like yourself, I know that this is these are kind of exciting times, even though they can feel a little gut wrenching for the rest of us, because you take a very technical, tactical approach to trading. And I'm going to make our way. I want to make our way through a couple of markets, but I feel like we have to start with stocks. S and P 500 up two and a half percent today. Big move for the Nasdaq as well, up over three. Did you trade this rally today, Dave? Not really. Um, the rally basically, you know, came right on the opening, shot right up, and then we moved sideways the rest of the day. So absent me being long out of the gate, I didn't have anything, uh, at least in terms of participating in the rally. I have, I do have a position on, I'm basically short a strangle, which we can discuss a little bit with, uh, uh, in terms of the S&Ps. But I got to tell you, yes, there's a lot of volatility in the market. There are trading opportunities. And just so you know, it's just as gut-wrenching for people who trade short-term like myself as it is for the longer-term investors. Uh, price action to price action, it's it's always you know keeping you on your toes. What I did find interesting about today's rally, though, is that there was really, like I said, after that initial burst up, we moved sideways the rest of the day. I'm not reading too much into it, but you know there was just not a lot of pushing and pulling on either way. So. Mm -hmm meaning higher or lower. I mean, hence, of course, I'm stating the obvious by moving sideways, but there wasn't any unusual volume, unusual options activity that, you know, or unusual levels that we were hitting that gives us any clue as to where we're going to go tomorrow. I mean, it's a coin toss really on some level because of what we're seeing. It's headline driven, um, price action driven, you know, levels give way and everybody panics to one side of the boat, the levels give way and they panic to the other side of the boat. So, it can be a nightmare for some. It can be, you know, a gift for others. But you have to be on your toes, no doubt about it. Yeah. 
It certainly seems that way. I'm glad I, I, I'm not glad we're all in pain, but uh, I'm glad to know that even even folks like you with all your experience, it's it's stressful. I think it makes the rest of us feel a little bit better. So, you know, to that point, Dave, I want to ask you, we, we you know, uh, if you're looking at the market action and, you know, you could certainly see a lot of headlines that say, oh, is about better than expected bank earnings. Bank of America came in better. We're gearing up for a big earnings week. But, you know, it, we're also looking across um, and a bunch of my colleagues, you know, noticing either chatter in, in the rooms that in or the people they're talking to or their colleagues or stuff we're seeing on Twitter, um, suggesting that, you, you know, or, or wondering aloud whether the market is really that healthy, um, including a tweet which talked about lack of liquidity. Um, I think it was mayhem for markets, lack of liquid, liquidity, creating unhealthy market conditions, you know, suggestion that maybe a lot of this action is being controlled by option traders, many of them with just, you know, a a very short-term trades on, so just kind of playing the market. So maybe it's not really about fundamentals. Are you seeing? Is that is that your sense of what's going on? What are you seeing in terms of you know all of the options market activity? Well, let me address that. But I would I would let me go to the first point you were making in terms of the fundamentals. I mean, fundamentals. You know, from a, from a longer-term perspective, you know, that's when people want to sit down and really look at them and try to get the macro handle. Even then, you know, how do you factor in every possible input, you know, macro input that is, and then hope to come out on the other end with the right answer in terms of that that macro equation, so to speak. Um, I don't get involved in that too much because, again, my trades might last, you know, a few minutes. They may last a few hours, maybe a few days or a week or two. So that's kind of my time frame, depending on the instrument I'm trading. So, you know, people can debate that all they want. Um, to me, the trend is still down, uh, even on a longer term basis. Um, and until that changes, I think you have to defer to what the trend is. Um, it's no different than what the bears were trying to do as we rallied for the last two years. Every, they could make the most persuasive arguments in the world that were, you're like, wow, he makes a lot of sense or she makes a lot of sense. I need to be bearish. And the market continued to move higher. I think we're in the complete opposite right now. A lot of people can make very, very valid arguments. And you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, maybe we're going to pause on interest rates. Maybe the economy is going to slow and therefore, you know, the Fed will pause or even lower rates. But I'm not seeing it in the market. Yeah, we had a 2% rally today. But if you look at the chart that I have up on, on the screen here, um, I don't know. I mean, that to me still feels like you're searching for a bottom. And again, I'm not trying to persuade anybody one way or the other, you know, to, to, to make a market call. For me personally, I'm always more comfortable on saying, show me the proof. And then I'm happy to latch my, you know, happy to hitch my wagon after the fact. I don't need to be the first guy in because the first guy in usually takes a few arrows in the back before they're right. And doesn't mean that I'm going to be right once I hitch my wagon, but I'd rather have more evidence that the market wants to turn higher. That's just my take. That's the way I approach my trading. Um, maybe that works for some people. Maybe it doesn't work for everybody. Um, the last part of your question, I think, is really interesting, which is options volume, lack of liquidity. Well, if you look at the S&P 500, the futures specifically, yeah, there's not a lot of liquidity. You know, it doesn't take much to clear out, a, a you know, five or six levels of bids. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's not like you're seeing 50 contracts each side or more. Oftentimes, it's like 10 or 15 or 20 or even less. So it doesn't take a whole lot to move the market really quickly. And um, you know, for the S&Ps to move 10 handles you know, in 10 seconds, it's not uncommon because there's not a lot of liquidity on the bid and on the offer. So that's going to add to the volatility. 
Um, as it relates to the options, again, you know, scapegoats are fun. They make great headlines. But the reality is we have to deal with what's happening in the market. And if there is a lot of options activity, which there clearly is, we need to factor in as to how you use that to your advantage. Um, we had the whole big gamma squeeze thing with the meme stocks. That same logic appear, uh, uh, will appear in any market. You're going to have people that need to hedge their bets, you know, i.e. market makers. So if market makers are selling a ton of calls because the quote unquote public is bullish, at some point they may have to buy the underlying instrument to hedge their being hedge themselves being short. So yes, unusually high options volume will impact the market. If you can identify where those calls and puts are being purchased in large quantities, that's going to give you a heads up as to where the market's going to have an inflection point. So rather than being like, oh my God, the options guys are controlling the market. No, they're not controlling the market. They're doing things that are actually having an impact on the market. So it's a cause effect. I think if you can wrap your head around that, then you'll start to be like, oh, that's a potential opportunity or that's a potential area for me to get out of a trade that I'm in and it's working, or maybe it's not working. And if it goes below that level now, it's really not gonna be working. So um, you know, try to look at it through the prism of, there's a lot of information out there. If you can distill it down, there's opportunities. Yeah, that's a, that's a great that's a great way to look at it, Dave. Uh, I want to I want to touch on the dollar because I know that that the FX is an area that you're looking at really closely. Uh, watching the U.S. dollar, what are you seeing there in terms of it was a little bit weaker today, but you know we we've been talking about dollar strength. What are you seeing in terms of level action? Well, if you, uh, I've got the chart up on the screen, if the, if the folks back there want to bring it up, you know, to me it's possible. You know, we could be going into a weaker phase of the dollar. You know, I want to be really clear. I'm not saying, oh, that's the top in the dollar, because anytime somebody's done that over the last several months or a year, it's proven to be really a, a bad idea. But from a trading perspective, yes, maybe there's some signs that we could move a little bit lower. For me, if you look at the orange line on my chart, this well, this level's been here for weeks. If we can get below 112.21, which we did, we well, we haven't closed yet. We close at two o'clock, 112. If we close below 112.21, that to me would be an indication that maybe prices start to get some traction to the downside. And if that's the case, I would be looking at 109.64 as a possible downside target. I know that's a big level, that's a long ways away, but nothing's out of the question. The way I always look at levels is really simple. Support is support until proven otherwise, Resistance is resistance until proven otherwise. So once support gives way, if prices come back and try to break back above it and fail, so if we use that same logic here, if 112.21 gives way, and then we try to get back above it and prices can't, that to me is suggesting that the market is positioning itself to the downside. Therefore, longs in the euro would make sense. Shorts in dollar CAD would make sense. Longs in the Kiwi dollar, longs in Aussie dollar. Dollar yen, yeah, I don't know. That that would be a really tough one because that seems to be on its own. Um, it's doing its own thing, and it's not a real, not real, not one you want to get in front of. At least not yet. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about that with Weston. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So, you know, um, it's interesting, Dave, to hear you say that because Ash uh, spoke to Brett Johnson recently, the CEO of Santiago Capital as part of our Make or Break series. And as we know, Brent is you know, for a long time, uh, you know, uh, has long views, long time discussion, holding a long time discussion on the dollar and the relentless rise of the dollar. Let's listen to a clip of what they had to say. But if, if we take it back to, to, you know, May or June of 2018, I don't remember the exact date. I think you mentioned it earlier. I, I do remember it was uh, kind of the first half of 2018. Uh, the first time I ever spoke the word milkshake. I think I've spoken it, you know, a million times since then. Um, but the, the thesis was basically, and, and I remember the very first line of the very first time I ever really discussed this perfectly, I said, I want to make something very clear. This is not a story that ends well. And, and I didn't just mean for the rest of the world. I meant for everybody. The, 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 this is not a good scenario for anybody, not even the United States. But that doesn't mean that the story is going to end right now. I think there's going to be several chapters. And the, the core of the thesis was that in the years ahead, U.S. dollar assets would rise. U.S. focused U.S. dollar and U.S. denominated assets would rise relative to the rest of the world. And that we would eventually get into a time period where the dollar, equities, and gold would all rise together versus the rest of the world. Um, and I also said very clearly that this rise would be punctuated by terrifying drawdowns along the way. And so if you look, if you think back to where we were in May or June of 2018, I believe the Dow was around 18 or 19,000. Now, since that time, we've gone twice that high, and then we've pulled back. But, uh, but between 2018 and now, let's say, the, let's say equities are up, I don't know, close to 70%. Uh, but along the way, we've probably had two or three 20 to 30% drawdowns. So for the most part, that's held true. And that entire interview is on our website, as well as an explainer that Roger did, um, in case you're not familiar with Brent's dollar milkshake theory um, and sort of the problems around an ever-strengthening dollar. Um, definitely worth checking out both of them. So, Dave, I, I think it's great to get your thoughts on this because – so in the in the Real Vision Academy, you have an entire section on how to identify trends. And I think this is where people get really hung up because they're looking for the turn, right? They're trying to time that big turn in the market or the start of a new trend. So if we look at that dollar action, it sounds like you're saying this is seems like a short-term weakness in what is still a longer-term or longer trend of dollar strength. Is that how you're viewing it? And how can you tell the difference between that sort of short-term move and the longer move? Because even Brent says in that piece, like they can be terrifyingly intense moves. How do you know the difference? Well, I think a lot of it really depends on what your time frame is, first of all, because if I say the trend is up, the, quite, the, the, the natural um, retort that you need to have for me is like, well, on what time frame? Mm. You know, for the next, you know, is it based on the next year or, you know, the next 20 minutes? So until you kind of define where you are on your trading duration, answering or asking a very generic question of what the trend is, it, it, it's not, it's not, uh, there's not enough information there. So Brent is obviously on one side of the spectrum. He's got a very bigger macro term view. 
And I'm on the other end of the spectrum. Neither is wrong or right. Neither is better or worse. They're just different. So I would say that Brent's view right now, from a technical perspective, remains fully intact. The dollar index is clearly moving higher. No reason to, to discount that at this point in time. The chart that I have up here happens to be a four-hour chart, so obviously slightly lower time frame, one that's more geared towards swing trading. And swing trading, for those that don't know what that is, trade that may last several days or several weeks. That's your, that's your expected duration to be in the trade. So based on that, I'm looking at this chart and going, it looks like the trend is starting to move lower. Now you could say, well, well, hey, Dave, it's been moving up since uh, early August and uh, it's still up. You are correct, but I'm not really concerned about what happened in August. I'm kind of concerned about what's happening right now. The trend is starting to move lower, again, from a swing trading perspective. And then when I add on to that a catalyst, which you always need to get into a trade, I need a price level to break that gives me an indication that the market is turning if the momentum in the opposite direction as well. It's kind of like the confirming signal. So in this case, 112.21. Now, if I was a day trader of currencies, which I think is rather hard, just for the record, probably not the best market to day trade, I might be looking at a 10-minute chart. And I'm looking again at the trend. What's the, what's the path of, of prices? Are they moving upwards and to the right or down and to the left? That's the essence of defining a trend. But you first have to define What's your time frame? Am I a long-term investor, swing trader, or you know, intraday day trader? Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So, Dave, we have a question. And if any of you have questions, go ahead and drop them in the YouTube chat, in our comments section. Remember, the live chat's still not working on the website, uh, or you can put them on Twitter with the hashtag AskRV. So Michael C asking, I know Dave is a bond guy. His thoughts. What are you looking yeah. at when it comes to bonds? I, I wish I'm I had. Say U.S. Treasury is it, Treasury is what he's asking about. Yeah, guy, I I love trading ten-year notes. They are a, a you know a, a good market to trade. They're very liquid. I like the way they trade because they are very stair-stepping. You know, kind of methodical as opposed to the S and P's, which is kind of like um, kind of like trading something that's on meth, I guess, for lack of a better term. <laughs> um, but right now, I got nothing. Nothing on ten-year notes. I mean, again, it's kind of like the S and P's. Do you want to? Do you want to be the first guy or first gal to buy the bottom? I don't, because that hasn't worked at all. Um, here's what I would say to Michael, and here's what I'm saying to myself, because I would love to make a trade in in the ten-year notes. One eleven twenty. That's that green dotted line. In fact, I'll expand this a little bit so it kind of pops a little bit more on the screens. Anything above eleven twenty, where we hold, because remember what I said. Resistance is resistance until proven otherwise. We get above a one if we get above one eleven twenty hold, I might be inclined to be a buyer, depending on what else is happening in the market at that point in time. And if that's the case, we're probably going towards one twelve sixteen, which is that next level there, the orange dotted line. And again, that would be you guessed it, resistance until proven otherwise. So I would I haven't done anything in notes for weeks. Months actually, but man, I'd love to get back in the saddle. But um, you could also say, well, why haven't you been shorting? Well, there just hasn't been a lot of levels to get around, at least for me. Um, but that's what I'm seeing in notes right now. Hopefully, yeah. that helps, Michael. People, people have been talking about the fact that you know the biggest bear market in bonds, and you just can't get any interest in them. I mean, it's just talk about you know lack of liquidity. It really seems to be extreme in that market, Dave. Yeah. Um, 
well, may not even be lack of liquidity per se. It's, it's kind of lack of interest in doing anything with them. And, and I'll be honest, it, it's one of the shortcomings I have as a trader. And I think most traders have this is that you have a hard time saying, I want to short this market because it's down so much. Now, I know that's a really stupid, perverse argument, but the way our brains are wired, we're, we're not wired to look at that. We're, we're wired to look at that and go, I already missed the party. Why am I showing up now? But maybe if we break to new lows, you you kind of you kind of kind of you have to grin and bear it at that point. Right now, though, I'm not doing that. I'm waiting to see if we actually start to move on. Yeah, we're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Great question um, for, from uh, Sir Nodes or Nudes. Dave, what are the must have charts that you review every day before trading? It's a great question. Yeah, I mean, well, Quite honestly, they should be the markets that you're trading. Um, I only trade a handful of markets, S&P 500, 10-year notes, and a handful of currency pairs. That's all I look at. And um, I think for you, it needs to be the same thing. It doesn't have to be the same set of markets. I, I'm not suggesting that at all. But you know, maybe you're a guy who likes to trade Tesla. Great. You better have a chart of Tesla up. And then you better define the time frame that you want to be trading that on. Those are the two things you have to ask yourself. I'm a huge, huge proponent of less is more. I don't think most people can trade more than a handful of markets with any degree of effectiveness. It's just, it's just not really possible. You have to become intimate with the price action in the market you trade, because if you don't, you don't really have a built-in edge. It's kind of like showing up at the party and going, I don't know anybody here and trying to engage in a conversation. It's going to be really hard. Whereas if you know this group of people and you go to the party, it's easy to slide right in and, and mingle, so to speak. Yeah, that's a that's a great analogy. And it's so true. And, you know, we did we did part of Dave's course when we were live together in California, Dave. And I know that was just, you know, one of the many things that you stressed is really having that understanding of the price action. And they're famous stories, by the way, of uh, someone told me of someone who went on to run one of the most famous hedge funds out there. Um, and for the first year that she sat next to him, he I think it was he traded something like four stocks just over and over and over again as a, as an it's a really so he could sort of be familiar with the rhythm of that. But I think you're right. A lot of us sort of chase what is hot now and don't really sort of show that discipline, right? Yeah, it's a common thing. Um, and to be honest, you just can't do it. You can't do it. I mean, uh, you always see people saying, I'm running my scan list for tonight and I'm going to have a whole new list of stocks. I'm thinking, holy crap, how on earth are you ever going to gain any any edge by looking at different stocks every day. I don't see how that's possible. I'm not saying it's not, but I've been in, in the industry a long time. All the people I know that are still in the industry that from when I got in, or even maybe they came in after me or even before me, they're all specialists. Mm. Just like in any other profession, you don't see neurosurgeons becoming orthopedic surgeons, you know, on Tuesdays, and then they're an ortho or back to a neurosurgeon on a Monday. No, they're one or the other. And I think you have to be the same thing in terms of trading. We have a question uh, from Shashank Rai. Um, 
What do you think about Bitcoin decoupling from the S&P? I think you have been looking at Bitcoin charts, right? Yeah, I post them for my clients. I mean, I don't do anything in, in Bitcoin, but, you know, I keep I keep on top of it, so to speak, just because it, it, it does have an impact on the market or maybe it doesn't have an impact on the market, but, you know, it's part of the market. It's part of the ecosystem now. But here's the thing. I, I look at this chart and I'm thinking, and I've thought this for months, dead money, not going anywhere. Um, but I, I would get interested, I, not me personally, but from a technical perspective, maybe above 19,550, these levels, you can see them on the charts right here, maybe something above 2150, but until that range is broken, it, it's kind of dead money. It's kind of a trader's market and, and you don't, traders don't want to trade sideways market. There's no edge there. You know, you, it's always easy to look at this chart and go, oh, I should have bought it there. should have sold it there. Well, let me tell you. In that moment, if you if you put a piece of paper on your screen and only look left and don't look right, it's not obvious at that point in time. So I don't know what you do with Bitcoin here. If you're a long-term investor, I'm sure you've got some great ideas and that's well beyond my scope of expertise. But from a trading perspective, it looks like dead money to me. Mm, that's going to disappoint some people, but you know we got we got to hear the truth. Yeah, uh, DL from YouTube asking, what makes movements in the foreign exchange market so rapid and frequent? Interesting question, and I can tell you that until a few months ago, that that question wouldn't would not have even come up because the volatility was horrible. Yeah, that's what um, I was just thinking. It was dead. Yeah, it's been, been ugh, horrible. Um, no different than anything that's happening in the S and P market. In the ten-year note market, it's simply the, it's simply the market environment we're in right now. All asset classes are being impacted by headlines, by inflation, by this and by that, and as a result, that gets translated into the price action of the various instruments that trade out there. Because remember, the market is simply a sea of emotions that, that get expressed in terms of price action. So when people are afraid. You're going to get much more whippy, much more volatile price action versus when people are, you know, calmer. You know, the whole the old um, statement, the market climbs a wall of worry, but it goes down a slope of hope and prices go much lower quicker or they go lower quicker versus going higher quicker. Um, so I don't think the FX market's really doing anything unique relative to the other markets right now. It's just woken up from a long dormant sleep. Yeah. And we have this extraordinary situation um, as and if you haven't, uh, DL, check out some of Weston Nakamura stuff that he's been pointing out that you're in this extraordinary period where not only are you in a different interest rate regime, but you in some cases have central banks and governments kind of fighting each other <laughs> with con contradictory policy, um, which is and the, and the uh, currencies are caught right in the crosshairs of that. Um, Dave, I'm, I'm, as I'm listening to you, you know, the, the, my takeaway from this conversation is that I know you always come at it from a technical point of view, but it seems like uh, that this is a, a really difficult period still I'm where, you know, th there isn't any clear direction and that we've got to be careful. And for stocks, the downtrend still seems to be in effect. Um, and that, you know, you really have to be nimble in this environment. Um, some of these long-term trends don't look like they're broken. So we've got this potential for these really kind of intense short-term moves. Is is that fair? Is that is that how you're looking at things? You know, I think so. I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I try to keep myself compartmentalized to 
price action only, try to keep the opinions at bay because that doesn't usually serve me very well on an intraday or a swing trading basis. And, and nor should it because that it's a time frame disconnect, so to speak. But I'd be a fool or I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a view of what's happening in the markets. And I'll try to filter that as you know, carefully as I can and not let that impede what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. However, I've been in the industry over 20 years. And I think what we're seeing right now is a huge shock to the vast majority of people that are out there because they weren't around 20 years ago in the marketplace. They weren't around prior to all the easy money, the central bank interventions and all the other, what I consider nonsense. I just, I, I find it, you know, I have found it puzzling, mm. and I think the market is now facing a reality of easy money's gone. We are in a completely different market type environment right now, and the whole buy the dip, thankfully, that's been put to bed, and I know that's going to piss off a lot of people, but that's not a trading strategy. Really sorry to tell you that. Not a viable long-term trading strategy. Uh, there were some statistics that came out from, I think it was Goldman Sachs a couple of weeks ago. Anybody who's bought the dips when the market's gone down by 1%, the market's been down 1.2% a week later. Mm. So that game's out, for now at least. And that game was only predicated on the fact that the Fed was going to rescue everybody. Nobody, They didn't want anybody to get a financial skin knee. Well, I'm sorry. You know, the, the market is going to do what the market's going to do in the long run. And maybe we're just in a different environment right now where kind of buying those dips and just being a little bit playing loose with your entries probably not going to work as well anymore. I think you really got to batten down the hatches and be really, and I don't mean like be, when I say batten down the hatches, I'm not saying get really defensive and go climb into a cave. I think you have to really be disciplined and really think what your trading strategy is because it's not going to, any degree of sloppiness is not going to get rewarded now. In fact, I think everybody's kind of found out. It's like, ooh, I'm, that, that, that strategy didn't work quite as well as I thought it was because we're in a completely different environment now. Right. It's so true. And, and wise words, Dave. And this is when uh, the kinds of things you talk about, know what kind of trader you are, size your risk, understanding all of that and having discipline around it is going to be really needed. So it, it, skin knees, it, it seems like it's a street fight out there right now. Yeah, um, we've Dave, moved we, on skin knees, yes. I, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, Dave, thank you so much. It was so great to catch up with you and a really important time to talk about those concepts, I think. If you want to check out Dave's course, um, which I highly recommend. You can head to the website um, and take advantage of that promo we talked about. In the meantime, I'm going to be back tomorrow with Tony Greer. Take care of yourselves and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best brightest and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.